We'll see if this works. We found an old, old one of these and tossed the other one because apparently the headset. So technology, it's our part, of, part of the fun. Are you got geared up for this? Ready? Okay. We'll, uh, I'll repeat the questions. We have some who want to, they, they want to watch it recorded or live stream, so they won't be able to hear your questions, so I'll just repeat those, and that way whoever's out there can uh, check it out and hear what you're asking or what, what, what you're concerned about, because they were concerned, because they want to hear the questions, because they have questions, and so there you go. Pressure is on. So you got questions? We'll get this rolling. I think. David, you ready? Okay. <laughs> okay. I was assuming. All right. Not really? Okay. Okay. So. Is there a writing class? Yeah. Yeah. Not sure if the spiritual gifts are coming or showing up. Yeah, feeling sure it's there, but not seeing it in your own life, and therefore you feel like, okay, so... Is it okay? Yeah, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the questions. I mean, I think that would be a natural question, is I must be doing something wrong if I'm not seeing spiritual gifts occurring in my life. And I that that would be... A, I, it's a, a legitimate question to ask. So, is there something I'm doing that's not allowing the Holy Spirit access to me? But if I'm walking with Him and listening to Him and following through on ob- obediently doing what the Lord has given me to do, uh, for, in, that that I know of that the that the Lord has has revealed, then He has free access, free reign, and I don't think we should be worried. I think that's just the, either the opportunity, the the situation doesn't demand for that. If it's the missionary version of speaking in tongues where you're speaking a language you don't know to people with a living language that you could speak to, and and you're living in a place where English suffices, you don't really need it. If it's another area that would be helped if you could do miracles that would make sense that he would bring those along but if it's not a oops if it's not a uh, time and a place where the miracles are going to benefit the church the group the uh, the the people that you're working with or you're around probably not going to break those out I don't think these are just, here are a list of gifts. Everybody's going to, you just pick one, and and then you go from there. And I think they're, and, and when Paul is describing these, he's saying, like these. 
which to me says there's a whole lot more variety to this than than even the list that we have that there would be more things that would be that he can bring up at whatever particular time is needed but it's going to be supernatural power activated in us in such a way that it would not be what we would normally do naturally it will it will benefit the kingdom doesn't mean everybody will accept it and you get big crowds do you remember how many people Jesus had at his death how many people stayed with him and by the time you get to John 666 which is easy to remember he he turns to them and lays out some truths and the people go there's a crowd following him and they leave him all the way down to the to the 12 you guys you guys want to go too and they decide they're going to stick with him but if you speak truth and you do it in a, from a supernatural perspective it does not mean you will have a crowd it may mean the very supernatural aspect of it may mean it's going to decline it's going to go away so the whole idea of, of uh, I got a super, I've got a spiritual gift, and that's how, and and that's going to go with my name tag. Now that that's that's my calling. That's now who I am. No, these are supernatural. That if it coincides with a position that God has placed us in, then it would be great to have the gift of pastor and be called into a position of pastor. But those aren't necessarily. Sometimes people are serving as pastors. They're caring, they're teaching, they're doing the, the re, carrying out the responsibilities. They, they don't have a supernatural gift for that. So it's, and, and God's not angry. He's, not, he, he's giving these gifts as, as uh, he needs them, as he sees them. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, that's what the Holy Spirit decides he, who he's going to impart these gifts to. In Corinth, you know, remember we started this with laying out what was going on in Corinth. They're dealing with, with another set of gods influenced by the Greeks and Romans and these are their views. And we have Apollo down the main drag, the temple of Apollo, and his, his prophetess working in there gathering information usually drug-related in the back room. The priest gets in, passes a question from the worshiper to them and, and gets a nice donation, passes the question, gets an answer of some sort, brings it back out, hands it to the worshiper, here's the answer, go into business with Fred. And that's how they make their plans. So they're looking for information from out there to do something in this world. So that's, they're used to that. And then in the church in Corinth, who, these are people who've all come out of worshiping all of these other gods. And from a skeptic, the whole uh, healing arts, that's, he's, he's going to be representative of that. So we've got gift of healing, we've got the gift of tongues, got the gift of prophecy, which is related to the whole... Uh, worshiping Apollo thing, and well, other gods as well. But in that setting, that grouping of spiritual gifts are perfect 
for that place and time and what was happening and what they needed. And they needed a supernatural input from outside to make this thing work. And today, we need a supernatural boost as well, so we need to be ready for that. But it may be a different mix of all of those things. And it may not, we may not see it. We may walk with Jesus 30 years, and then all of a sudden it comes, and you go, oh, it's needed now. It wasn't needed, I mean, different ways maybe. Or maybe we weren't listening or not believing or unwilling. All those realities are true. But if we're walking with him, listening to him, and open to him, and he's going, okay, then let me bring it when I'm ready to bring it. And then we're, we can just faithfully keep walking with him. But the spiritual gifts are out there, and that's part of uh, what we can look forward to. And especially if we're, we're waiting and ready to receive it and let him bring those things blossom them at the proper time, which may be uh, not when we think, probably not when we think. And the gifts will probably be 180 off of who we are. And if we go through what we talked about earlier today, the, with the, well, as our desires, our heart gets in tune with the Lord, then these are going to fit. So that's not really going to be at 180 on that. But our aptitudes, it may give us ability to do things We've never thought we could do. And the Holy Spirit provides it through, through a supernatural gift. You go, oh, wow, I never... You know, I'm just not that kind of person. Don't care. There's a Holy Spirit who has no limits. And he says, I'm not asking you to be that kind of person. I'm just asking you to be ready and willing. I make the things happen. It's a supernatural thing. It's not based on your personality, what you've experienced, or how good you are at something. It's about him coming along and making this happen. So it, yeah, we shouldn't, but we can put pressure on ourselves. And I think the pressure, we just do that anyway, because I've certainly been through that. Just, well, where is that? I'm supposed to have something, and I don't think I have anything. And then uh, there's an enemy who would like to, make us feel badly and add pressure and make us feel like we don't deserve it or obviously we, we, would, we would have something or I've missed it because I, I'm living in sin in some way. Maybe 1 Corinthians twelve eleven, the Holy Spirit decides and he's not decided yet to turn that loose. I think it's true what it says. Everybody, there's a gift and, and everybody's got a gift. I think at the right time, everybody's got gifts. I think these things are available. I think all of them are available. That's widely speaking, isn't it? I think all of them are available to all of us. I think that's what Acts chapter 2 is saying. The Holy Spirit's been released. Men, women, boys, and girls. Everybody. That's what the Holy Spirit's coming to do. And he's got these gifts that are just amazing these manifestations that go beyond and they they will show up so you can dream you can prophesy and he just gives that right off the bat that's in first that's in acts chapter two that's the beginning of the church we start with those you go, wow you're supposed to have visions well i don't even dream i don't know that i've had a vision except well after graduation i drank too much maybe then not the same vision. 
So we've got a whole slew of things that the Holy Spirit has built into the, this life with Christ that's available to us. And some of it's our teaching, some of it's our willingness, some of you know, where we've cut ourselves off. But I think the, the, in the, if we're walking with him, the gifts are there, and he's making the gifts available. It will be at his time, and then he's going to turn it loose. If we're not working with uh, the church, because these are gifts for others. Remember that? These are all, always about how can I use this to impact, help, encourage, build up, that's the whole First Corinthians chapter 14 thing is we use these to honor the Lord, build people up, bring them together in Christ. If I'm looking at gifts as a, a single, uh, it, it's all about me and, and my faith and my walk with Jesus, and, and I, want, I, want, I want to have super superhero gifts, and so we... He's going, got none available for that. When you're ready to use this for my honor and glory, and you're ready to use this for others, which means you have to be in interaction with others. So if you're not in, involved in, in being in, in close proximity where these gifts can be shared, which is part of the reason for the small group things and the small group Sunday morning, is it, it's a place... It's it's a, a petri dish of trying out things that are probably very unfamiliar for people to try to listen to another person and to listen to a person in a small group in the spirit. So it's not listening like, well, I'm just nervous in this group and I need to have something to say, so I'm going to have it written in my notes so I can cheat. Or I'm going to have some way of, of anticipating somebody's, what they're going to ask me next. And the Holy Spirit's going, you cannot anticipate what I'm going to do next. And I want you to be in a group where you are uncomfortable. You don't necessarily even want to be there. We've emptied out a lot of chairs in this church just because of this. Don't want to be there. Don't want to be put on the spot. I do not want to have somebody ask me. I don't want to pray out loud. I'm uncomfortable with that. And I certainly don't know what you're talking about where I can, the Spirit's going to talk to me about that other person so I can encourage them, build them up, pray for them. That just seems weird. I'm just telling you this is how it works. It's all about weird. It's all about different. It's all about doing what you don't want to do in order to do what you've always deeply wanted to do. It's all built in because the Spirit is saying, I'm longing for my spirit in that other person. And I'm longing for my spirit in that person. And so, obviously, we just need to stay apart and avoid any kind of conversation that might be uncomfortable and getting together with other people. But that's where it comes up. The Holy Spirit's wanting to break that loose in us when we get together. And he does it when we're building each other up. So at church, even when we're, we're gathering and there's coffee at the beginning, if we talk about the Lord, we're helping somebody redirect their thinking, pointing to the Lord, 
because that's a whole Malachi 3.15 thing. He's saying the, the Lord's listening, and he wants to know when we're talking about him and when we encourage, encourage people that he is, he's hearing us, he's writing down our names in the book because we're talking about him. And when we get the break in between services and we're going to have a meal, we have a chance to talk to people about the Lord and encourage somebody and listen to the Holy Spirit and say, what does that person need? What, what can I say to them? What might we be able to pray for in that moment? Or when we're done with church, well, I've got to get to shopping, so I need to get out of here quick as I can. Or we can listen to the Spirit and say, what can I do to speak to that person? Not, why aren't they speaking to me about my stuff? Because that would be uh, exactly the opposite of what the Holy Spirit's looking for. What are we speaking to them? Are we listening to Him and speaking into their lives and, and trying to be an encouragement? And it's not the, the typical, uh, I want to encourage you in your, well, right now, schools are coming to a close, so end of the year, you know, finish your school well. It's a positive human thing to do, but right now we're in church. Out of that 168 hours in a week that we have, we have an hour or two to invest in somebody's life and pour something into their lives, and this is that time to do that. We're not going to see the gift of the Holy Spirit show up because we want to encourage them to get an A in algebra. We're going to see the Holy Spirit show up we're going, to, we're going to talk to them about walking with Jesus and trusting the Lord and having them realize they can trust in Him with all their heart in algebra. That's different. But i got to go shopping. Or I need to talk about my stuff. Or what frustrated me this week. But we can talk to them about How are you walking with the Lord? How are you trusting Him? How has He shown up? And as those things happen, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit becomes evident because it's manifested in us and through us. And we can see it. And that's, and it it, it may be that it's showing up, like you were asking, Cassie, it may be showing up and in just ways that we we didn't necessarily register that it showed up and it was really meaningful point uh, in encouraging another person or talking to them about something that was vital in their lives so he could grab hold of them and change their lives yeah steve Saw my parents, and 
more of a personal level, maybe, or more, you know, because you talk about the paraclesis being a smaller group type, but when when the guy's up on the stage saying that the world's going to come to an end, all that, he's almost kind of like putting himself on a pedestal, trying to, I'd be very, it it could be true, you know, but I'm going to have to step back and see if it really happens, like I saw all the prophets were all wrong. Well, let's talk about it. So we got prophecy. We'll do it with this. The, the prophecy that is often promoted as uh, so TV, uh, Internet. How big a problem is is ministry if you hit TV and Internet really big in terms of an individual? What what would drive them after a while that is just so pressing? You've got to keep something going to keep the viewers. Just like a big church has to keep enough things going to fill the seats. And if you don't have enough, you got to come up with something. And this isn't to, to cast dispersion on everybody. There, people walking with Jesus, but they're going, you know, comes down to it, we got to pay the bills. And next month, the bills are due. So what do we got to do to keep this thing rolling? Man, did we get a bunch of viewers when we said Trump was going to win the election. So the next guy hears that's going to happen what does he see you got a bunch of viewers i think i got that vision too i think i'm getting that prophecy as well and all of those things went up and up and up and their viewership went up and they got and and the more you do that and you're on youtube and then you get the money comes in from viewership and they you know just if you just uh, sign on and click the bell so you know when notifications are coming in, then why is that? Because it glorifies God across the board? Mm-mm. It's just a draw to get, you know, viewership. 
so what happens when Trump doesn't win and this thing goes a different direction? Which may have been in God's plan in the first place to change some leadership and get people's idea, straighten some people out. But he may have also said, you know what, I've got a bunch of people out here doing it. He's not even saying they're not believers or they don't have the gift of prophecy. He's saying, y'all need to rethink what you're doing and why you're doing it. And is this about getting more clicks? Because if that's the motivation, this, this thing is way off. Because what he's doing is promoting truth. So anything that gets like that, Billy Graham was so careful. That guy, just he's the model of being so, handling this with such humility and integrity that he, he kept a salary. He didn't look for ways to get, hey, just send me money so I can do, he just wasn't into doing this. He was out there to get the gospel out. And if it wasn't going to get to, he told his son, I don't know if you've been to the Billy Graham Library in North Carolina, but if you go through that, the, there's right at the beginning, Franklin explains, Billy said, my dad said, I don't want any kind of, I don't want anything if it's not going to honor, if it's not get the gospel out and honor the Lord. Just, just don't. And Franklin said, I, no, I guaranteed him it would. So you, when you go there, you got to go hear the gospel. It's just where you don't get to see the stuff. It's just part of it, which is pretty awesome. But he made it clear, and he, said, what? He, was on, he was on TV, but he didn't let it go to his head. If they got donations, they put it into the ministry to expand and keep that thing going. So, you know, you can... And that stuff can just go to your head. You, you know, we need to pray for people who are kind of struggling with that. On the prophecy thing, though, there's New Testament, Old Testament differences in how the Lord was using prophets. So he had the writing prophets. We've got New Testament. We've got Jesus, of course, giving prophecy in Matthew 24, Luke 17, Mark 13. There's the lead into the second coming, and that's what Paul references here and there. And then John, of course, writes... Jesus has him come to heaven and say, okay, write this all down and share it with everybody. So we've got those kind of prophecies are happening. But he's not telling people today, you know what? I'm going to come back on the 3rd of June. And and let me tell you, this guy's going to be president of Russia. And this guy's going to be president of the United States. And, and, and I'm going to tell my, I'm going to give my prophets the, that information. He it's not how he's been working. And when you read through 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, you get the idea that this is, this is about the church, isn't it? So where in there did he say this is about U.S. politics? Where, where did that, did you find that verse anywhere? Because it's not there. The U.S. isn't even mentioned. America is not even part of the scriptures. So why would he bother? Not that he's unconcerned and he... He's behind it. Providence is involved in the U.S. And all of those things are part of it. But he's given us something specific. And he said, I've put prophets in the church. Where? Which church? Big dollar, the big ones. You know, as long as you're on TBN, CBN, somebody in, you can, you can do this. No. In the church. Because I want my people talking to my people. How are you? You guys ever met any of these prophets from the internet and and them actually build you up speaking into your life in Christ? Probably not. 
Because that's not what he intended. He intended, he's got written scriptures. We got prophets. The gift of prophecy existed in John and Paul and, of course, Jesus. And we got them speaking into our lives from the scriptures, the written word. They speak to us and they give us the insight. They help us to see truth. They help us to see kind of how, world, how the world works and what God is doing. In the midst of all of that, he says, but I'm going to give you people with these gifts, manifestations of the Holy Spirit in your body of believers. I'm going to give you these people to work with you. Not out there with you. They got to look at you eyeball to eyeball. They got, they got to be able to connect with your heart. So that doesn't mean that there aren't some others who are going to speak more globally to the church or, you know, those things are going to happen. Nobody's going to know when Jesus is coming back. We've covered that. He already said, nobody knows. The Father hasn't even told me. And if he didn't tell the Son, he ain't told these guys. So anytime you hear that, just turn that dude, that woman, turn them off. What he is going to do, though, is make it available to us. And he may use you. And he may use you routinely, may use you once. He may use you as uh, in, in such a way that your, your voice representing him, you are speaking to the lives of individuals, families, groups in the church, the whole church. It's just, but he's going to use this. The test that Steve was referencing from the Old Testament, it, it if they give a prophecy, it's not true. You stone them. That was the Old Testament test. That was national level prophets. The people of Israel set apart by God, his people, and he's got Moses, and here's the law, and here's how I'm going to do this for the nation of Israel set apart for him. That, they spoke to the political entities. They spoke to the king, and they said, well, you know, we should go to war. We shouldn't go to war. That's the stuff Jeremiah uh, Isaiah, the prophets are dealing with, and those guys, and then Daniel and Ezekiel are dealing with well, the fallout because they've already been hauled off to Babylon. But we're dealing with prophets that are dealing with a national entity set aside by God for His purposes. The U.S. isn't one of those. There are no other nations like that. That was the one. So what is it for us in the church, which is a global, worldwide? Entity, the body of Christ, is the working of the Holy Spirit where he says, don't be putting prophecy down because that just turns off the Holy Spirit, First Corinthians, I mean First Thessalonians 5. Don't do that. Instead, listen, test, see, just make sure it's right. Test everything. Keep what's good. Will they miss it? Yeah. Sometimes they'll miss it. What if they did a thing on the president and they got it wrong? Well, don't you think they should just say, I got it wrong? And I've only heard of less than a handful who did that out of all of the ones who were speaking before. They just keep right on prophesying. Something else, something else. Yeah, because we've got to keep the bills paid. And you go, well, you know what? I'm going to move on to another 
I'm changing stations. Because there's got to be somebody out there who's actually listening to the Lord if this is, anyway, the direction we're going. So prophecy is available. Prophecy is available to believers today. God is speaking. He's communicating. And we can learn from it and encourage, build up each other in the Lord, in the Lord's work, in God's truth, as opposed to all the other stuff that's out there. It will help us sort out who, who because we vote in this country, then maybe you know, we can get some prophecy on, here's truth, here's a situation. We need to uh, pray for this guy or support this guy, vote for this guy, something like that. whole lot different than declaring who's going to win. That's... That's a different approach. Okay, what else? You got any more on prophecy? No, that one's good. It can't be, yeah. But that's not the primary thing. Even when you read through Ephesians chapter 4, and we get the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, gives us five. And in Ephesians 4, it says, This is for the building up of the church to the maturity of Christ until we all attain. So tell me, how evangelism for the church so we have it for the church to maturity is talking to unbelievers that that's the gift we're talking about because that's where the gift of evangelism is mentioned is in Ephesians chapter 4, in that context. And if you were to, vi- to define evangelism before this moment, what would that have looked like? Always out there. The evangelist is the guy that goes out there, fills up arenas. But that's not what it's saying. Evangelion is is the good word. It's saying some. It's lifting some. It's it's the positive building up the church maturity, getting under somebody, lifting, giving them a foundation, directing them towards Christ so that they become mature in Christ. Knowing if you go to Hebrews chapter six and you go, well, let's get past the basics. Yeah, you know, we, we've already covered these things. Uh, about forgiveness or the gospel and redemption and baptisms and washings and and you go well, that's all big stuff some churches that's all they cover every sunday scriptures are really clear hebrews 6 ephesians 4 the new testament 
We're supposed to be moving this direction. So what is that? Why is it that the gifts, this is in in Ephesians 4, it says that Jesus descended to the earth, born here, leaves, taking captives with him, those who are moving into heavenly places, and then he gives gifts to his people, sends it back. That's Jesus leaving, gives gifts, in, in, in Acts chapter 2, it's the Holy Spirit who gives gifts. In Ephesians 4, it's, the, it's Jesus giving gifts. And he gives gifts to his church to accomplish this. Why wouldn't he say, but this is really for all of those people who are outside of the church? He says, no, it's all for the inside of the church. Why are the gifts that were given in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 for those inside the church? And it says in 14, if you're exercising this and you're prophesying and speaking to people around you, as we've just described, building up, encouraging, and someone from outside comes in and hears that, and they hear that their hearts are opened, and you speak in to them from a prophetic side, they will say, God is here. Who are these people? The ones who've been worshiping the gods out there. They've experienced spiritual things out there among the evil spirits. Now they've come into this place and they recognize the Most High God is here. Not there, here. Is there something that says that's what we ought to do? That that this is all for out there? Or ought we to do this to the point of maturity so that whenever we're out there, All of us are out there. Or somebody comes in here. We're exercising all of these things in such a way that they say, God is here. And God is with you. And all of a sudden, all of the arguments. I don't know if you've ever tried this. Sharing Christ with someone and arguing till you're blue in the face, explaining how, how right you are and how wrong they are and And they just don't get it. And then you read through the scripture and you go, you know those people who don't have the spirit can't understand the things of God. But we're going to keep arguing because we think arguing works. Has it worked for anybody? But the spirit of God at work in somebody because we're maturing in him and they go, man, I just see something in you. Or they listen to us because they experience something in our presence. Because something's maturing. The way we respond to work, the way we respond to politics, we respond to the news, the way we respond to life. I go, man, that's just so different. They may not, may not even say that out loud. They'll recognize it. Then we have something to say. But this kind of evangelism... And that doesn't mean that there's not an evangelism for out there. I'm just saying that this evangelism in Ephesians 4 is dealing with an internal build up the church, speak these words, build each other up with them to maturity. That's a whole different thing. That's, That's a different approach. But we need these gifts, alive and well, exercised by us, being open to them, seeking them, Asking the Lord, because Paul says, just 
ask the Holy Spirit, and he, he chooses. And, and again, he's going to choose the place, the time, what would be appropriate here and there. Or if there's something standing in the way, because we can go back over, you know, if we're not believing, if we're not willing, he may bring that to mind and go, man, you've been quenching the Spirit now for a while because you don't want to hear prophecy. Somebody's spoken prophecy into your life and you said, no, I want to do it my way. And he says, do it your way. And you go, but God never speaks to me. He just did. He has for the last 30 years. He said, no. So, yeah, we, he can bring that up, though. The Holy Spirit's really good if we ask him, is there anything that's standing in the way? Because I, I don't want that stuff. I don't want wrong thinking. I don't want wrong attitude. I want to be open to what you want to do when you want to do it. And let's do this in the church. Let's turn this power loose in the church. One of the greatest... Oh, <coughs> that's going to go bad. One of the greatest things that's happened, and I brought this up not that long ago, uh, 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 I think in an email, but in the 1980s, the push, well, since the 1950s, the push in youth ministry has been huge. So we've had the greatest amount of bus ministries and youth ministries and children's ministries, and you just put them all together. They were immense. All, I mean, we've just pushed them. That, and, and it was supposed to be, you focus on the youth, then the parents come, that's how you build the church. Because, you know, we, but we were having the most growth, the most people coming into the church. I'm not talking maturity in Christ, just people coming into the church. And the 50s was the most, the biggest, the most complete uh, social movement in the world after World War II, and in America, just that was when people attended. So a lot of people in our generation are going, or later, going later part of the 1900s are going, wow, that's, that's how you do church, and it's always full. And man, when I was going to church in the 50s, it was always packed out. And you go, yep. In the 30s, it wasn't. The 20s, it wasn't. 1780 wasn't. There's, there's significant things going on, but... Not like 1950s. Well, now I'm going to compare everything to the 1950s. Well, that's not, uh, that's not the same thing. I'm going to focus on youth. I'm going to see what I can do to build that up and get more people in. And then we have, in order to keep people coming, we've got to lower the bar biblically and on church expectations in terms of Christian maturity. We don't want to push that because that might make people feel bad about themselves. So let's lower the bar and make it more fun. So if you have more activities, more snacks, more trips, and then, well, that bar didn't work, so get to the 1990s. Well, we're going to have to double up because apparently we're losing some of them. Let's go to the 2000s. Biggest effort in 2,000 years to mission, to, to go for worldwide, get the gospel out to the world was coming up on the year 2000. Every organization, parachurch, church, was raising money, let's get missionaries. They were everywhere. And remember, Russia was open. Everybody had opened up. It's gone. It's gone. This is worldwide. Biggest thing, biggest push ever. All this is leading up to my, my point 
Now they say in the last 10 years, we've lost more youth. Nobody wants to go to church. We've got the highest number of nuns who have no religious, not N-U-N, but N-O-N-E, nuns who are, instead of saying I'm Christian, I'm Buddhist, or I'm just none, has increased in that in entire youth era. What's missing? We took this out. The maturity thing. What about spiritual gifts? Supernatural realities. Let's take that out. And if we don't have those, what do we substitute? More activities, more trips, more snacks. Did it work? What if in the church in the 21st century... We actually allowed the Holy Spirit access to us the way he was in the first. And we exercise spiritual gifts as the Holy Spirit gives them. And then we recognize each other so that if somebody's actually exercising one, you go, I think I see that. Because maybe they're trying to sort it out and they're being a little cautious. Would it help them to know? Go, man, I think, you know, what you said to me really helped. I think that might be a gift. There may be the Lord using you to speak into my life to build me up. You may have just prophesied into my heart. Well, that's kind of cool. Or you spoke such those, those good, the, the words of truth, the words of encouragement, the words of God into my heart. Evangelism. We reach more and more maturity. And what if young people, who are very spiritual, by the way, not necessarily anti-spiritual, they're just finding spiritual things in other areas, other arenas. All you have to watch is watch Harry Potter, Marvel movies that are coming out, and you go, look at that. They're interested in these, these kind of things, but they're looking for them in different places. They're interested in finding out how... If those things work, if that's, if that's a possibility in life, because there's something built into us that's seeking after God, so maybe that's it. And that's why we have these huge numbers. Our other attempts in the last century, some came to Christ, some were you know, built up through that. But there are huge swaths that didn't come out as becoming mature in Christ or exercising these things. Spiritual gifts can make the difference they can, because they're real. It's the Holy Spirit manifesting. I hope we do it. I hope we just get more and more of it. And His power works in us and, and just enlivens us for our own personal benefit and then for the people around us that that reality comes. With this, I should put this out there. There is a relationship between uh, let me put that so Galatians the fruits of the spirit you're familiar so the Lord wants to work here are these fruits that are going to come into us and as a result of walking with, with the Spirit. And the first part, 5.16, Galatians 5.16, 
Paul is saying, if you are walking with the Spirit, then you're not going to be living in the flesh. So what if I'm living in the flesh, but I, and, and this, is, this is, I think, a common thing that happens with people about dealing with spiritual gifts. I can walk in the flesh because Jesus gave me these gifts, and he can't take them away. Like we're going to tie his hands, and he can't do whatever he wants. So he's given me this gift. So now I'm a prophet. And I'm going to say, I know all things. I know all, I have all the knowledge. But I'm not walking with him. What is the first fruit, first one listed? Love. What's the first thing when we get to 1 Corinthians 13? Love. What is it he says about prophecy or speaking in tongues or any of the others? If I do this, and I don't have love. So the fruit's got to be there. I don't think you can exercise a spiritual gift if you don't have this first. I don't think it's available. All of those, when he's saying, oh, but I, I did these things in your name, Jesus. You know, I just, uh, yeah, Matthew 7, Jesus says, a lot of people said they did that in my name. They cast out demons. They healed people. They did all these miracles in my name. And I said, Pfft. Jesus says, I don't know you. Get out of my face. I don't even know you. Why would he allow people who are not exercising the fruits, not even walking with them, to have access to the power, this manifested power of the Holy Spirit? I think the Spirit is smarter than that. So I don't think so. But I think people who are walking, who have, they've seen it, they've copied it, maybe they even had it. You kind of touched on that, Steve. Where they kind of, had at a moment, maybe maybe the Lord allowed them to exercise the gift of prophecy and they were in a church and they did it for three years and then they've departed. They're just living in the flesh. But they still think they have that gift. So they're just spouting stuff. You go, that's not very helpful. Who would question them in the church? Who would say, wait a minute. If you're in a group that's really, really interested in these gifts appearing, and once you have one, you, that's, that's your title from now on. You are that name plus your gift name title. Wow. No. Love. Got to exercise love and joy and peace and patience. You know, the fruits of the Spirit. And then imagine... Powerful gifts exercised through that, but we're walking with the Spirit. Any of that makes sense? Real things, really available. I think it would rock the world. Even if, like the young, the whole youth generation, you go, well, you know, they're not sure. I go, you know what? They crowd in to see movies about this stuff. Guess what? They're hungry. What if, instead of pretending and fiction and fantasy, we gave them the real deal? Because it doesn't, all that out there doesn't come close. So, you guys turn to 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 2, verse 9. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. 
Got that? Somebody want to read it out? So there's a whole bunch more. So people have not come up with something better than what God has. So all the fantasy, all the fiction, all the wild stories, even the old gods, the pantheons, and all the things that the Greeks and Romans and everyone else has come up with is human-level imagination. As cool and creative and clever as it is, doesn't come close doesn't even come close because nothing in their imaginings has ever gotten close to what God has. In the next verses, he's going to explain that, but God has revealed these things. And Paul is talking about himself and his missionary team. He has revealed these things. It doesn't mean that they're locked up. They're available. He's revealed a lot of it to me, so I can share it with you too. But those things that he's revealed are for us and for our children forever. We get to pass those things on. It's far beyond any of this. As cool as all those things are, and they're fun to see because they can make you think about what could be. And what could be is pretty exciting because it's just on the edge of what really is. And what really is is what God has done and what he's revealing and making possible. And the supernatural things that show up and most of these things are copies that, that people have come up with or there's other spiritual beings who play with this as well. And they will insert those things and it just gives you a clue that there's more to this. There's something more available. And when we're talking about supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the church, we are talking about those things, those powers, those gifts, those Abilities that go far beyond all of that. So I hope you just, you know, strap in. Get ready for whatever God has. Don't feel bad if you haven't experienced it. That's fine. I mean, again, he may have been speaking to you about this for a while. And if that's the case and you think maybe he did, then just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I had my headphones on. I didn't hear it. Just getting it straightened out. I need to get right with you on this. But, you know, I'm listening. You know, that's Samuel, First Samuel 3. You know, <laughs> Lord, here I am, your servant's listening. So you know, I didn't get it at first. A couple times, Eli straightened me out. I get it. Listen. So listen and let him bring it. And, and again, however he wants. Because, you know, you can ask him for one. Just, just realize he chooses. And then he may give you five or six, and, and it depends on the church and the situation and the timing. I think our church needs it because he's already made these things available and uh, making us know, know it, to know about it. So I think there's a reason for that, and I think there's a reason that we are gathered here to even talk about it today because the world needs it. There's a world hurting out there. And if we're running in circles thinking, I've got to figure this out, it's got to look like what I thought it was like when, 10 years ago, and then we're missing it, then that's on us. But if he's saying, I've got it available to you, I want you to participate, and we've got a world to save, you want to come along, 
How about we do that together? And he, because the Lord's looking for partners. That's what this is about. Part of his family, to partner with him and making his name known until it covers the world as the water covers the seas. He's ready. So if you're ready, he's ready to do that too. Any other questions? More likely listening to God, though he, if he imparts a, a gift when you're like dealing with that person. So he says, I want you to turn left at the corner, go down, and talk to whoever. And it's a change in schedule, not where you were going. You know, he's just kind of pointing out you need to go there. And then when you get there and you talk to him, they go, wow, that was the right time to be there for that purpose. Then the gift may be a prof- oh, I race my words. A prophetic word, something that is going on in their heart. You don't know. You couldn't have known what this other stuff is that's happening. And you speak to it. Not necessarily that you draw, drag out a bunch of stuff, but you speak things that would line up with what's already in their thinking. Sometimes exactly the words that they're thinking. And you speak them to that person. And they go, how could you know that? Yeah, I couldn't know that because the Holy Spirit just through a spiritual manifestation, you know, brought that up. Typically, people don't go, how did, you know, they won't, they won't go into big detail about it anyway. They'll just go, blah, or turn pale, or there's some other stuff that happens. But yeah, that listening to God would get us the direction, so we've got to be able to do that, turn left and right, and then the manifestation would be how we minister to them, how we serve them, how we build them up in Christ, or get them out of a crisis. It can, you know, it can be that they're in danger, and we can give, give a heads up and redirect. So, good question, yeah. Yeah. No, not really. Because if we're actually doing all of those things, we're going to be in tune with him. Our desires will align with him. And our uh, the abilities that we're going to bring are going to be supernatural ones anyway. It's not like we know how to, you know, even that situation that Sherry was talking about. So we get guided to a particular person. And we, then if we share with them and God has revealed their heart to us, and we don't even know. He's not going to say, oh, by the way, I'm going to reveal my their heart to you. He just... The information just comes, and you go, oh, that was, I get it. So, yeah, you get that. You you could jump in the flesh quickly. That would be different. Because if we got in that moment and go, well, by the way, well, let me tell you, this is what God told me to tell you. Why would we say something like that other than, hey, look at me. And we would do that out of ego and all the other you know, junk that comes along with it. 
And in that moment, we have stepped into the flesh and the Holy Spirit, the whole love, joy, peace, patience thing is now departed. That would screw it up. But if we're operating like you just described, we're walking with him and we're listening to him and we're, and we're trying, we're trying to learn. And yeah, and then we, I don't think we can mess it up. And I think that the whole First Thessalonians Listen to the prophecy. Don't despise the prophetic word. Listen to that other person that you think has nothing to say to you. Listen to that person. But test it. Test everything. See what's good. Keep it. The stuff that doesn't, get rid of it. So you go from there. So I think we're safe. I think we're safe. It's powerful. It's like playing with dynamite. But... You can safely handle dynamite. C4, too. I used to love... Well, I can't tell you those stories. Okay. <laughs> Not the time or place, Dave. We can't talk about that. <laughs> okay. So the Holy Spirit wants to do some amazing things in us, through us, with us. I think as individuals, as, as small groups, and as a church for the glory of God to impact those spirits who are the evil ones. But also, we want to honor the Lord and do those things right so that the angelic host or watching can, can rejoice and celebrate us too. And they write our names down in the book, which is really cool. And we've had the angels join us. I think they join us every week. It's just, I don't, I don't see them every week. I mean, if somebody else is seeing them, just let me know that because they're, they join us, so I know that they're here and they, they are participating. We've also had visits by the evil spirits as well. So we, they, we're going to have all of it. And the evil spirits are going to show up. And if you notice yourself or somebody else really acting out of the flesh, guess who else might be here and might be helping with that? Because to antagonize, to divide drag us down to destroy the church, to destroy us as people, to destroy families, all part of it. These gifts are there to just say in your face, the demonic world, in your face, Satan, in your face, all the forces of evil who would like to destroy what Jesus is doing. That's what they're about. And then we're going to lift people up. I think they're cool. I think this is a good thing. And I want them turn loose for all of us and it'd be just really fun if the next time we get together to talk about these things we're just going to see it popping up all over all among us i guess we better call it father thank you thank you for this time thank you for allowing us to know you and to experience your salvation redemption hope love and the power of the holy spirit in jesus name we pray amen All right. Thanks, guys.